Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, I was telling Jeff before we got started, I had to do a walk around the building just to get my mind right, knowing that we were going to be interviewing Tim Kite on our podcast this morning. Um, so. I did not sleep at all last <laughs> night, Tim, in anticipation of this. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you for Worth the Journey, a Worthington Schools podcast. My name is Angie Adrian, and I get to serve Worthington Schools as the Assistant Superintendent of Academics. And I'm Jeff Maddox. I am the Director of Human Resources. And together, we are your hosts for this podcast and appreciate you taking the time um, to hear the stories of those that we get to work alongside of or, for today, alumni of Worthington Schools. Go Cards. Go Wolves. <laughs> We are a district of go, about eleven. Go card. Go card. <laughs> yeah, I know. We are a district of about eleven thousand students and fourteen hundred staff. So we take a lot of pride um, in our district in building strong relationships with others, um, which truly impacts our culture. Culture makes people understand each other better, and if we understand each other better, it's a lot more fun to work together. So it takes intentional effort to build these relationships, and one way we do that is through storytelling. So Worth the Journey is a podcast for just that, a podcast to hear the stories of those that we get to work with in Worthington Schools. Everyone has a story to tell, but not everyone has someone to listen to. So thanks for taking the time to you guests out there um, to listen to those stories. Our guests today tell some of the best stories, motivational for sure. Our guest today is an alum of Worthington High School, graduating in 1971. He was a state champion and an All-American in track and field, running low hurdles. He grew up on River Glen Drive and attended Colonial Hills Elementary School. For those of you out there who attended convocation in August, this name will sound familiar to you. Tim Kite. Trent spoke about the importance of owning our 20 square feet to impact the 20 square miles in Worthington schools. This, along with several other teaching, comes from Tim and all of his wisdom. Tim has a passion and a drive to help individuals and organizations maximize their potential, and you'll certainly hear this in Tim's story today. Tim is the founder and CEO of Focus 3, Following his freshman year at The Ohio State University, and Tim is wearing his lovely The Ohio State University hat today. O-H. O-H-I-O. Tim transferred to UCLA to run track. It was at UCLA where he witnessed John Wooden win his ninth and 10th national championship. And I know, Jeff, you have um, some stories or some questions to ask Tim about that today. I think we could do an entire <laughs> podcast around his connection with John Wooden. Um, that's pretty amazing. This achievement of Coach Wooden and the UCLA basketball team is what triggered Tim's curiosity to really better understand what distinguishes elite performers from average performers. Jeff, before we dive into our interview um, with the Tim Kite, um, do you have any track stories to share? Oh, what about no. your experiences in track? Um, guys who are <laughs> built like me <clears throat> um, are not known as track runners. Um, I did, however, in sixth grade at Wilson Hill Elementary School, home of the Wolverines, win the 100-meter – actually, I think it was 100-yard. I don't want to, to make it sound bigger than what it probably really was, but it was a 100-yard um, field day. Uh, I won the gold medal um, as a sixth grade student at Wilson Hill. That is honestly the beginning and the end of my highlighting uh, my track uh, prowess. Um, I played sports where uh, running was involved um, just because I was avoiding things, um, but I did not choose intentionally to run. Even as a quarterback, you didn't have to run from... Yeah, I ran from people. Um, <laughs> fear, as Tim will probably share, fear is a great motivator. <laughs> and my experience with, with running or with track was that I worked harder to not have to do it. I should have just done it, but I worked harder to try to get out of it. Because un unless someone was chasing me, running was not what I wanted to do. But here we're talking Amazing. to somebody that, that ran because he wanted to and, and not was pretty only good at run, it. And he was pretty darn good yeah, at it. Yeah, right? pretty good at it. Yep. So, Tim, welcome. Thank you. And by the way, I, I chose hurdles because just running by itself can be boring. So I figure if you've got hurdles, you've got something to do when you run. It's a 
it's a lot more exciting and it's not not as monotonous as right. right. Makes sense. I was I was recruited in middle school to run track, but I threw the discus and the shot put and did long jump. So you know any of the field events was this might come my not, track. Comes, I was not recruited to run track. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, thanks for being here. Um, Tim, you grew up in in Worthington. Tell us a little bit about your childhood in Worthington. Yeah, you mentioned River Glen. We grew up yep. in Old Worthington and on uh, 36 East River Glen Drive. Tremendous memories. Small little house. There were five of us kite children. Uh, I was number two, four boys, one girl. Uh, we I remember distinctly, and I've told these stories to my families over the years, to my family over the years. Uh, we all four boys were in one bedroom and my sister got her own bedroom. And uh, and we were we had two bunk beds in our room. We had so it was just packed with the four boys, and uh, lots of fun times. I mean, we re I just remember so many vivid things, vivid memories of of life on that street. Uh, and life was very different that time. And we would go outside and play, and there was no adult supervision. No one was concerned. <laughs> and my mom would come out at five forty five in the evening and ring a cowbell. And we would hear it and then we would come and that would be dinner time. And then dinner would be over. We'd go back outside again. And I lived, we lived probably, I don't know, a couple of miles from, from Colonial Hills. And I walked to school to and from every single day. Uh, as, as long as I, as, as back as I can remember, we were just, it was just a whole different era, right? right? And there was a creek between my house and school, which my mother would remind me every single day, do not stop in that creek. Because it's got water and mud and don't come home with. <laughs> and of course, what, what did I do as, as, as a boy is I and there's crawdads and little yes. minnows. Stuff, and I would I would do my best to stop at that creek and not get wet, not get muddy and sometimes successful, sometimes not. <laughs> and and uh, uh, but my mom was wonderful on that. And, and as I got older, the pool, the Worthington pool became a big part of our summer every single summer. And we would ride our bikes. From our house in, in Old Worthington, you know, up High Street, down 161, past the high school, and go to the pool. Again, on our own. Yeah. On our own. And uh, so lots of fond memories. Lots of fond memories. Um, it, it, I, I love growing up in Worthington. So that was that was uh, elementary school. And then we moved to Worthing Way when I was in eighth grade. And I'd gone to Kilbourne Medical, Middle, Mi Medical School. Kilbourne Middle School. And maybe a medical school now. I don't know. It is not. <laughs> it's still middle school. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then of course Worthington High School. Back then, it was there was only one. It wasn't yep. Thomas. It was just uh, Worthington High School. Right. Again, so, so Tim, years. I happen to be looking through. Speaking of high school, I happen to be looking through some of the old yearbooks. So oh I, I found this um, 1971 oh yearbook, and I, oh I I have to. I don't. You won't be able to see the picture, but I can certainly send it to you. But. On page 21 of this yearbook, um, senior tie softs and float rivalry. And then there's this picture oh boy. of um, the annual homecoming bonfire. And then below that is <laughs> Queen Becky waits tensely for the outcome of a play. Below is co-captain Tim Kite, who bestows the traditional pregame kiss to oh. Becky Hall. Mm -hmm. Do you remember uh, that kiss? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I Does, do. do you think? Do you think Becky remembers that kiss, Tim? Oh, sure, I'm sure. Oh. He's going to hear this podcast and reach out to me. Probably. <laughs> but here's here's the here's the backstory on that. Here's the backstory on that. Please tell, Tim. Yeah. So we had I think three captains: Rick Page, myself, and Jack Savage, and Becky Hall was Jack Savage's girlfriend. Oh, mm. awkward. And and I, I forget exactly how it happened, but I was the one chosen to bestow the, the traditional pregame kiss for Becky. And Jack and I were friends and everything. We joked about it, but it was it, that that's the other little fun thing about it is that I was dating somebody else and he was dating Becky. And I, I was the one who gave that. that uh, yeah. That, and kiss to Becky. She so looks, that's she looks ready for the kiss. For she sure. actually like, looks happy. She Tim. does. She's smiling and looks ready for the kiss. I like you to know, see the after these, picture. And these are things that are <laughs> it's it's hard to convey uh, in these kind of situations. And that was obviously 1970. Um, obviously, 71 was the graduation right. year, but that was whenever it was, October 1970. Yep. Becky Hall 
was, and I assume still is a wonderful, wonderful person. Whenever I see, I've seen that picture before and, and people have reminded me of it. And I just, I have, there are a number of people I knew, obviously at Worthington High School that were just terrific people. She is one of them. So that's great. Shout out to Becky. Becky. That's exactly what I was If she is one of our 135 listeners, um, reach out to us, (laughs) Becky, we'll have you on. We'll talk about that kiss. Hey, Tim, when you were going through your childhood and growing up, um, you brought back some memories. I grew up on Clearview Avenue. Um, one of the fondest memories I have in my childhood is we used to have block parties. Did you ever have block parties where you'd close off the street that you grew up on and and uh, all the the uh, neighbors would come out and they would shut down that street? Did you ever do that? We do them here. I now live in South Carolina at Bluffton, right by Hilton Head, and we they do block parties here in this street. We just moved in about a month ago. Sure. And we do block. There's going to be one coming up. We didn't uh, do those. You didn't do. Yeah. Do you remember I the? Think, do you remember the I, ox roast that they would shut down at Worthington High School and do the ox roast? That I every year I went. Yeah. Every <laughs> year I went to the ox roast. Yeah, that's. I, I haven't heard that. That is a term. Yeah, absolutely. A blast from the past. Yes. Absolutely. The whole concept was built around roast beef, which is not right. bad, right? I mean, you just yeah. come and you would eat roast beef at Worthington High School. And uh, I, maybe you know, Tim, I, I assumed it was for a fundraising purpose. I don't even know the history of the ox roast. It's sadly no longer with us, um, but I do still like roast beef. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I, I don't recall what the, what the purpose of it was other yeah. than the gathering. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about, so um, uh, I do want to share one more picture. So there is one more picture of of Tim Kite finishing first over the hurdles. So picture of you running hurdles. Does that bring back memories? Probably hard to see. That. Um, there you are. Yeah. Determined look. You had the yeah. classic 1971 19- haircut. <laughs> like that? Yeah, wow, that was nice. You had some good flow going. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's, here you go, right? Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Yeah, still looking right. good. You still look good. Yeah. Still looking good. Although, although as you know, this is chemo related. So I know, this right. I normally I, have hair. Right. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm midway through uh, through chemo right now. So this is my, and I think I look like a strength coach. You do. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. That's my sense. I think you look good. Yeah. So Tim, speaking of, of chemo, tell us a little bit about either you know, whichever direction you want to go, certainly um, your life story, but then your work with Focus 3 and and the message that you um, have bestowed upon so many people um, that has truly impacted us in Worthington schools and um, I know nationally. So your podcast is one that has a lot more followers than ours probably does. <laughs> um, but But we've learned from you and I believe Jeff and I can speak from our hearts that we we are better leaders because of what you have um, provided for us, whether it's through a podcast or our personal connection with you um, because of the message that you share to others. You alluded to the genesis of the work that I do, which was that transition period between Ohio State and UCLA. And when, when sometimes in those life transitions, well, always in those life transitions, you have the opportunity to reflect. And I remember thinking when I made the transfer from Ohio State to UCLA that it occurred to me it was an opportunity to look at my life and keep doing the things that that were successful, improve the things that were okay but should be better, and to change some things that needed to be changed or eliminated. And when I met Coach Wooden, and I again, I was a track guy, not a basketball guy, but our, our locker room was in the same building as basketball, mm-hmm. and I got to know him and talk with him a bit and and we we did some other things away from athletics on campus and the community together so i was struck by the unique way he went about leadership and the unique way he went about creating culture and the unique way he brought out the best in people and i don't know the term best version of you was used back then but that's what he was doing. And he didn't know it, but he was tapping into neuroscience. He was tapping into performance psychology. He was way ahead of his time. He intuited uh, about how to do this. And that sparked, that motivated me to ask the question that you indicated in the introduction is, what is it that distinguishes the most effective people from just, just average effective people, let alone high versus low? 
And I just, I began this journey, this quest, this, this research, the lifetime of research on trying to understand what makes elite leadership? What makes elite culture? What makes elite behavior in an individual? And that is a, a journey I've been on now ever since 1972, when I first got introduced to Coach Wooden and, and I read other books. I became a voracious student of all those, those, uh, those categories, neuroscience, performance psychology, developmental psychology, sociology. You know, what, what are the conditions that we need to create if we're, if we're leaders? And at the heart of it, as you well know, is this notion of E plus R equals O. This wonderfully simple but powerful equation, event plus response equals outcome. And it teaches something very powerful for all of us. Whether you're an athlete or a fifth grader or a teacher or an administrator or a mom or a dad, uh, no matter what, no matter what, you know, a salesperson, a doc, no matter what domain, you do not control events. You do control how you choose to respond and how you respond is what produces outcomes. And when one understands that, and we always say we call it the R factor because the R is the only thing in that equation that you control. When you understand the power of the R factor in your life, that the single most important factor in the quality of your life is how you manage the R in that equation. Yeah. That is a life changer. That's a game changer. I, I therefore have spent my life and continue to and will to my, my last breath understanding it. I'm a student of it first. I'm a, I'm a practitioner of it second. I'm a teacher of it third. I don't, I don't want to teach something that I've not vetted. I don't want to teach something that I'm not working on in my own life. I'm a deep believer. If it's not happening in you, it's not going to happen through you. And I mentioned chemo. And uh, I've been battling cancer for four years. And uh, I've got to say, this sounds weird to say this. I've enjoyed the battle. I still do every single day. It's not easy, obviously. Uh, and mine is stage four metastatic advanced non-curable, which typically would be bad news. But in my mind, uh, and I told my doctor four years ago when I was when I was diagnosed, I've trained my whole life for this. I'm ready for this. Let's go do it. I said, E plus R equals O. And he, is that that thing you teach? I said, no, I do. I don't control whether I do or don't have cancer. I do control how I choose to respond. That then is the heartbeat of it. And then I'll add one other thing. We can then keep talking and, and dialoguing. 20 square feet. Yeah. And 20 square feet is simply a metaphor that we use to describe the fact that every single person in every single organization, whether it's a school or a business or whatever it would be, has a sphere of control, a sphere of ownership. That's mm -hmm. 20 square feet. It's a metaphor. It's not literally 20. I teach it in Europe. It's not even square feet. It's metric. So <laughs> right. it's but it represents the fact that you and only you decide what you're going to do, how you're going to act, what your attitude is, what your beliefs are inside the 20 square feet, inside you've got control and outside you have influence and impact. And if you want to maximize your impact on the outside, you have to maximize your ownership and control on the inside. And unfortunately, what a lot of people are doing today is they're so fixated on complaining about things outside the 20 square feet that they're failing to take ownership of things on the right. inside. Right. And if we and just I see this all the time. I yep. see it all the time. And the way I like to, to, to admonish people and encourage people is this statement. And this is so meaningful to me. Do not let the frustration on the outside diminish the fire on the inside. It is your job to create your fire. You have to, this is important. You have to uh -huh. untether your emotions from your circumstances. You cannot allow your attitude to be situationally determined. You, in fact, one of life's greatest superpowers is the ability to bring a good attitude to difficult situations. And the vast majority of people today in America, when things are good, they're happy. When things are bad, they're sad. That's not a healthy way to live. Difficult, challenging things happen all the time. And so the, 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 the challenge to all of us is, is manage the R, 
and it's a mindset first and a skill second. That, so that's a, that's a lot to say. We can talk more about it. But does that answer? Absolutely. Your, your no, I love it, Jeff. We're not getting ready to play a game, but I'm ready to go. No, yeah, like, exactly. Let's go. Let's so get it. I, <laughs> yeah. I could listen to you forever. Absolutely. Um, but I, I've listened to all of your YouTube and your your two minute talks and those kinds of things. And the one question I really keep coming back to is the E plus R equals O. Talk to me about the evolution of that. It's not like you woke up one morning and said E plus R equals O. Mm -hmm. So obviously life events shape thinking and studying, but how did you come, talk to me about the evolution, talk with us about the evolution of E plus R equals O. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the, the second thing at UCLA that happened for me that was so instrumental in my, my arc, my life journey, is reading the book Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. And I will say this to whoever is listening to this podcast, please go out and buy and read that book. And I'll say this to every administrator and teacher in Worthington schools, buy the book, read the book, have your students read the book, teach the book. And I don't know if y'all have read it. I don't know if you look at that, y'all. Now I live in South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> that was a quick. <laughs> hey, I responded without, I, without yes. thought. <laughs> yeah, your life circumstances. You um, like sweet tea? You do like sweet tea now, Tim? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this, in fact, this right here is 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 decaffeinated uh, cinnamon tea. Is what this Ooh, is. So, nice. Um, the man search for meaning. Doctor Franco was a Jewish psychiatrist practicing in Vienna, Austria at the outbreak of World War II. And from there, you can probably understand then that he and his entire family, his wife was pregnant with their first baby. And he got, they got all taken up by the Nazis and put into the concentration camps. Never saw his wife again. Never saw his unborn child. Never saw his parents again. His sister was out of the country, so she escaped that. But Dr. Frankel was in the concentration camps. And he had the strength of heart. He had the wisdom. He had the internal resilience to observe himself, the guards, the prisoners, the capos, they're called, who are the Jewish kind of co-conspirators with the Nazis, uh, the ones who compromised. He observed everyone and he wrote about it. And when I first read the book, I didn't know E plus R equals O, but, but what Dr. Frankel writes about in the book is a very famous statement. He goes, they could take away my liberty, but they could never take away my freedom. And man's final freedom is the choice that he makes of his attitude in response to any given situation in life, even a concentration camp. But that was his choice. And I'm reading this book. He said something else in the book. There's so many things that are great quotes. He said, I don't want to become the plaything of circumstance. He said, if I, if I survive this, I want to be found worthy of my sufferings. And he viewed the concentration camp as a test of what he described as your inner hold, your character, your inner strength, your ultimate identity. And talk about owning your 20 square feet. Right. Talk about mental toughness, talk, talk about resilience, all these things we want in our lives. Talk about a life that was lived with courage despite horrific circumstances. Now I'm 19, 20 years old reading this book. I'd come off a national championship as a high school kid. And I thought I was at the top of the world. I thought I was <laughs> the man. And I read this book and it drove me to my knees. Because I read the book and I'm looking at myself, asking myself, if I was in that situation, what would I do? Using language I use today, if that was my E, what would my R be? And I concluded I wasn't that kind of a person. Right. I wasn't that strong. I wasn't that courageous. I didn't have that strength of character. He describes, in fact, you know, they electrified the fences in these concentration. He was in two of them, one of which was Auschwitz. 
they electrified the fences. And many of the Jewish prisoners, when they found out what was going on inside those buildings, the torture, the gas chambers, they would throw themselves on the fence to commit suicide. I read that and I go, that would have been me. Yeah. I'd have given up. Yeah. I began asking the question then, how do you become that kind of a person? Now, back Dr. Frankel's book, he doesn't give hardly any how-to. There's no real mechanics in the book. He gives a what, kind of gives a why, purpose, you know, man's search yeah. for meaning, purpose being if you've got a, if you know your why, you can you can suffer any what, which is true. He says that in the book. I think it took from Nietzsche. But but I, I began the quest of okay, how? Okay, what, what what are the inner mechanisms? What are the disciplines? What are the mindsets? What are the skills? to become that kind of a person. And that started for me in 1972, 73. And I began to study, I began to study. The first thing I built along these lines was called personal best. And it was 10 life skills for becoming the best version of yourself. And during the teaching of personal best all around the world, I ran into the equation E plus R equals O. I didn't author that equation. And no, no one knows who did, there's no, there's no definitive uh, uh, validated origin for it. Uh, apparently, some psychologist in, in Los Angeles, it might be attributed to him. Uh, but I read it and I thought that captures everything that I'm trying to do. That's the heuristic. That's the framework that, that houses my work for behavioral discipline and mindset. And then I began to then work on, all right, how, what's the, what's the mindset and skill set for managing the R, no matter what E you have in pursuit of, of, of optimal outcomes. And that that's the history of where it came from. Yep. That's great. Tim, I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but um, every year, um, Dr. Trent Bowers, our superintendent, um, holds a convocation. So all staff come together um, at now Thomas Worthington High School. So used to be Worthington High School um, and brings everybody together and shares a message. And so that message this year was really focused on owning your 20 square feet, um, to impact 20 square miles of Worthington schools. So Worthington schools is about 20 square miles. It's close. It's close enough that 19 we, we did something. 19 point something, <laughs> but um, owning your 20, 20 square feet to impact the 20 square miles of Worthington schools. And so um, keeping that in mind, um, we talked about you at the convocation, but keeping that in mind, um, talk to us a little bit about that message that we share with teachers, staff, um, we know that there is a teacher shortage. Um, our teachers, we believe, are very fortunate to work um, inside that 20 square mile of Worthington schools. Um, what are some of the messages um, that you might give to teachers um, or other, uh, other staff who aren't in those traditional classrooms about the job that they get to do for students and community every day? Um, how is it that a teacher would own his or her 20 square feet um, in Worthington schools, what does that look like in your mind? Yeah, the the I've got a heart for the education world, as you know, Angie, a, a, right. a tremendous heart for education. I think we've installed our system in over a hundred school districts now in the United States, and growing. Which which so we're we're answering that question. We're having this conversation with lots and lots of administrators and and teachers. It goes back to E plus R equals O. You know, twenty square feet E plus R equals O go together. And I like to say the R factor is the toolbox to equip people to own their 20 square feet. Okay. The R factor is the toolbox that equips people to own their Got it. 20 square feet. So the E is stuff that comes into your 20 square feet from the outside. The R is what you choose to do in your 20 square feet. And the O is the, out, is the output, is the impact you have as a result of how you manage your R. And one of the ways a teacher could think about this is, is you're going to get lots of events every day. I mean, innumerable events. Very true. <laughs> and the thing that you control is your response. And we've got a toolbox around it. And, and, and the toolbox has these six disciplines. And I'll give them to you real fast. And you know what they are probably. Oh, but the six disciplines of the factor. And this is how a teacher would, number one, manage and own her or his 20 square feet. 
manage their 20 square feet. And it's how students would. And it's 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 how I do. And no, no, that we're it's it applies to all of us. Here are the six disciplines. Press pause, get your mind right, step up, adjust and adapt, make a difference, and build skill. And that's the fruit of 40 years of research on my part on how would someone own their 20 square feet using the E plus R equals O. That's great. And I know Jeff wants to talk about mind right. So we, he and I have spent a lot of time talking about getting your mind right. And I, and I said I even had to get my mind right before we started this podcast this morning. I had to yeah. focus. We're talking to Tim that Pite. Perfect, actually. I need to focus. But ask your questions I, about mind right. Angie, Angie can, I, can I make one other comment yeah. in, in response to your question about yeah. a message to, to, to teachers? Yeah. Absolutely. Other thing that we that we talk about, and some of you have read the book Above the Line that that yep. I helped I Urban that. Yep. story of the national championship in 2014, and at, at that time we called it Above the Line, Below the Line. A lot of our clients still use that language. When I talk to elementary school kids, I call it On Path, Off Path. Okay. But we now use the language have now for years discipline over default. Discipline over default. And discipline is attitudes and behaviors that are effective. And default is attitudes and behaviors that are not effective. You can manage your R one of two ways. You can have a default-driven R or a discipline-driven R. And the default-driven R is characterized by impulse, autopilot, and resistance. And it's easy. And there's a lot of social support for it. And the ultimate default R is BCD. Blame, Blame complain, complain, and defend. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> and it doesn't work. <laughs> right. And discipline it, is, is, is intentional, on purpose, and skillful. And here's a fun Worthington High School um, little, little connection. Yes, tell us. I learned... I took four years of Latin at Worthington High School from Miss yeah. Winfred Drum, who, by the way, I think was born just after the Earth's crust cooled. And so she was very knowledgeable <laughs> about all kinds of things. And she would walk into class every day and say, Salve discipuli. Salve means greetings, and discipuli is Latin for students. The word discipline is Latin for student. It doesn't mean punishment. Right. I learned that at Worthington High School. Mm -hmm. A discipline-driven life is learned. Right. It's learned. It's a skill set you build. And if you don't do the work to learn it, you slip into default. And we have a lot of people today reacting on default to stuff. And if you've got a default-driven 20 square feet, you're not going to bring best version of yourself to school every day. So your six toolbox idea is perfect. The pause piece, I get human beings can work through the pause. They get to the next step, and that is get your mind right. Mm -hmm. You're the expert. I got to imagine that's oftentimes where it goes off the rails. Um, so I've heard you say repeatedly, the person you talk to the most is yourself. Yep. So that self-talk is hugely important when it comes to get your mind right. So what strategies do you have for folks to not go the emotional route and, and stay in the moment to make sure that you, in fact, get your mind right to, to keep moving down the path to create a positive response? You are 100% correct that the second R factor discipline, get your mind right, is where people struggle the most because it deals with emotion. Yeah. It deals with emotional impulse. And you're also correct that one of the primary drivers of your emotional state is your internal self-talk. And many people, one, are unaware of the power of their inner voice. They don't, they've not been trained. They haven't been taught. They haven't gone through the, the necessary uh, skill building around that. And, 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 and so think of it, let's go back to discipline over default. You have one of two voices in your head. You have a discipline driven voice. You have a default driven voice. And that, it's pretty much binary like that, by the way. You have, you've got an above-the-line voice or a below-the-line voice. The below-the-line voice tends to be negative and cynical. And, it, and it's loud and it shouts. The above-the-line voice whispers. 
And what we need to do is detune the default voice and tune up the discipline voice. And here's a little bit of neuroscience. Emotion feeds on verbal input. The stories you tell yourself, the way you talk to yourself feeds your mental state. If you see negative, talk negative, you'll feel negative and you will underperform. Period. I'll say it again. If you see negative, talk negative, you'll feel negative and you will underperform. It will not be best version of you. On the other hand, if you see in a productive way, you talk in a productive way, you're going to feel productive energy and you're going to operate at best version of yourself. Therefore, in order to get your mind right, you have to intentionally choose. I like to call it productive self-talk, not, not just right. positive, productive, productive. And, and the, the self-talk that's productive, it doesn't lie. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't ignore pain. It doesn't ignore sadness. It doesn't ignore emotions. It acknowledges emotions, but then it focuses on what needs to happen. What do you need to do? Right? So you, you mentally tough people, they feel all the emotions of others, but they don't fixate on emotion. They acknowledge it and then they focus on what, ne what needs to be done. What I've learned and what I teach is you have to prepare your self talk ahead of time. You have to prepare your self-talk before these challenging events happen. Simple, simple situation. Driving. You drive I-71 from Columbus to Cleveland, you're going to get tailgated. It's predictable. You're going to get cut off. <laughs> going to happen. Heck, you drive 270 around Columbus, that's going to happen. Yep. Hey, you drive ice or whatever, you choose the road. It happens all over the world. Well, what do most people do when they're tailgated? What's their self-talk? Is get it angry. It's below. Oh, get angry. Yeah. And if you, and if you know, you 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 call somebody a name, you gesticulate <laughs> out. I'm number one signal. Whatever you, if you again, if you see it as as a combat, if you see it as an irritation, as a frustration, and you talk negative, you're going to create and feed a negative emotional state, and you're probably going to break check and get and and you've just increased stress, made a difficult situation worse. Because you chose poorly. What you could say to yourself is this. Inner, inner, you could say to yourself, inside yourself, be safe, move over, let them go. Check your side view mirror, check your rear view mirror, signal, move over, let them go. Could do that. That'd be above the line of discipline driven. But most people don't do that. Most people are below the line. Same thing. You get into a, some kind of a, a student does something weird. A parent, a parent uh, does something that, that's irritating, which I know rarely happens in schools, but apparently that happens uh, sometimes. Well, how do you frame it? How do you talk to yourself about it? There's enormous power in your inner voice. And one of life's greatest realities is you get to choose how you see and how you talk to yourself about situations that you face. And if you choose default, that's a choice you make. And that, that's a hard pill for somebody to swallow because they they want the situation to be the source of their feelings, but it's not true. Situations do not create how you feel. You create how you feel. One of life's greatest disciplines is the ability to talk positive in response, productive in, to, in response to negative things. And I and like I say, and I'm just one person. I, I'm not. Yeah. I mean. I'm not special, but man, am I glad that's in my life right now. Like there are so many negative things, quote unquote, have happened the last four years. Doesn't bother me. Angela, that's incredibly I, powerful. Uh, you it know, is. it's one of those in, in our profession, maybe all professions, but never more now in education. It's hard sometimes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's really how do we respond positively during times where it's easy to go right. negative. And I think sometimes it's hard because you feel um, somewhat in isolation, mm -hmm. right? I'm in charge of my classroom or I'm in charge of a department that I'm working in. And so um, you feel isolated. And I think some of the, the the best way to respond to some of that is to bring people together and collaborate and have conversation with each other and, um, you know, share mm -hmm. some of this. So certainly your message today, Tim, um, inspires us all. You know, our mission in Worthington Schools is to empower a community of learners who will change the world. And um, mm -hmm. you definitely have empowered 
um, a community of learners, um, and you are changing the world. You're changing the world for me, for Jeff, um, for those that listen to your podcast. So I, you know, but I know you have um, a busy day ahead of you and and lots of things to to plan for and to do. And we're super super honored um, to have you as a part of our podcast this morning. So um, thank you. But you're not off the hook yet. And I, w- I want to make sure I give you time too. If there's anything you want to say um, that you haven't had a chance to say, but when once you do that, um, we have a, a 15 rapid fire questions that you're going to be responsible for to tell our our listeners a little they're bit doozies, more about you. Yeah. And they're doozies. I mean, I mean they're questions like this. They're before. deep, deep questions. So seriously, deep. Deep <laughs> but yeah, deep thought. Good. Yep. <laughs> Anything, Tim, that you didn't get to share that you want to share to our Worthington Schools community, um, to our listeners out there? Um, there's so much. I mean, I, yeah. I'm so passionate about these things. Um, I, I, l- l- just another message to the yeah. to the adults in all of the schools, um, certainly to, to moms and dads and, care, you know, and caregivers and, and all that, but but particularly to the administrators and teachers and, and uh, uh, classified staff. I'm a deep believer in this, that when you pull up to the to the school or you pull up to where you work, whatever it would be, and before you get out of your car and go into the building, you say to yourself, talk about self-talk, today I get to yeah, leave the purpose, serve people, solve problems, or bring energy. I can't wait to go in that building. Love it. And you say that to yourself. Today I get to, not have to, I get to leave with purpose serve people, solve problems, and bring energy, and then go in the building and be that person. Now, about noon- Great self-talk. Might have to do it noon, again. <laughs> about noon, that wears off. Wears off. <laughs> Post that around your office or your yeah, classroom, right? That's good. Yeah, yeah, you've got, I'm trying to look, I've, I've got, uh, that's, we, we, we've been, so I'm looking around my desk here, I've got a, a, some clients that have, that have put it in these little miniature posters and coasters and things. Yep. That's that's what I and the same thing when you go home, you pull into your driveway. And before you go into that house or that condo or wherever you happen to live is tonight, I get to love with purpose, serve my family. Mm -hmm. Right. Bring energy, solve problems. And I shudder to think of the people today who operate by some a mindset. That's not what I just said. Where they go into the building and they, there's just there's not a purposeful sense. There's not an attitude of service. There isn't a positive energy, and they go in complaining about problems. And those are really tangible, practical affirmations that we huge. can all all use. It's huge. Might just yeah. be a posted on my dashboard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? And I don't I don't want to become too intrusive here, and I I don't want to step on toes. But you know where it'd be great to post what I just said is the teachers' lounge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right, Tim. From uh, one grad, uh, proud Worthington grad, <laughs> to another, thank you. Um, I mean this. You have made Worthington proud. Um, mm-hmm. You have really gone off, and as Ange said, changed the world. You you keep focusing it back to leadership, and I and, and you're 100 right, obviously. But I want you to know that um, you've also helped me become a better parent. Um, and a lot of things that you talk about, I have used over the years with my own three kids. Um, and it really has helped me focus um, my priorities on how do I want to raise my own three kids um, to set them off into the world to be better human beings. So thank Thanks. you for that. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. So you ready for this? I mean, listen, nobody's ready for this, Tim. I mean, these are <laughs> these are questions that are going to be rapid fire. I want your honest heart response. Okay. Um, if you ask to pass, I won't let you. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's ready. Look at that focus. All right. I like to focus. His mind's right. right. He's pressed pause. He's ready to go. What has been your favorite grade in school and why? Hmm. Favorite grade in school, probably. <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> yeah, here we go. I think it was fifth, sixth grade, maybe, at elementary at uh, Colonial Hills, and I was captain of the school crossing guard. Oh, well, you and, and I, I share this, something. And yeah. I had this notion that we would that the school would go on strike 
for something in the lunchroom. And I have no, I can't remember what it was, but I convinced all of my classmates that we went on a strike and we all brought our lunch and no one bought, bought lunch that day. No one. You let a strike. <laughs> it was a lunchroom strike. A lunchroom I can't, strike. I can't tell you why I did that. I don't know. Well, let's and, be honest. You didn't like the lunch that day because if oh, it was something you liked, were you weren't going on strike. Well, I'll, let me hold on. Hold on. Are we <laughs> on lunchroom strike? Because here's the thing. I don't know if Worthington still does this, but the hamburgers that they bought were from the Seventh-day Adventist uh non-meat place so our hamburgers weren't real meat and whatever we oh, but we did it the soybean burger yes they were oh. and, and the 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 lunchroom ladies just they cried they got upset i got suspended oh oh and wow. i remember i remember i remember going home that and, took and, a turn <laughs> I, I remember going home and they called my mom and 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 my mom and my dad laughed. They thought it was awesome. Did you get to keep your uh, captaincy of uh, your your oh, no. captain of the no, cross? No, did no. you relinquish the? No, no. I stayed. I stayed of the, the crossing guard. I stayed on the crossing guard, but instead of you know, I had the the white you know the thing, but yes. I went gold back to you know dull silver. So I was demoted from captain. So Tim, when um, I was captain of the crossing guard at Wilson Hill, I got a little gold miniature badge, kind of uh, looking like a kind of a police sheriff badge. Did they give those out at that time? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I actually could still find mine somewhere. I bet my mom still has it. All right. Here, well, back to the question. I'm sure they, I'm sure they took mine away. And <laughs> well, that's true. You had to give it up. Uh, what is your go-to lazy dinner? Go-to lazy dinner would be peanut butter and jelly. That's a good one. Um, is your bed made right now? Yes, because I'm married to a <laughs> who is extremely neat. <laughs> so it's not you. If it was up uh, to you, you would not make your bed. It is funny how you say that. My attitude is, well, so when we, when we moved here, I kept a condo in Powell. And um, I never made the bed. In, in the condo because I was doing treatments at the James and plus super involved in stuff in Columbus and and I travel all the time so we had you know a place here and a place up there and 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 I was there alone a lot I never made the bed yeah. heck no would you ever appear on a reality TV show when I was younger probably but it depends on what it is I mean I'm not into these romance I mean it would be it'd have to be a competitive thing like it, it's something to compete. Yeah. And, and the harder, the better. Like I, a survivor I kind of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What movie do you enjoy quoting the most? Remember the Titans? Well, that's a good one. That's that is a, a good movie. one. Yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, what dish do you cook the best? Cereal. Oh, wait a minute. That's like a... Like oh, a, that's like a little I don't like a foreshadowing. Cereal. Yep, I'm not going to ask you fumbles on that. You don't cook at all? <laughs> Okay. No. I mean, I, I I have. I mean, I mean, I when I have to. Um, again, up in Powell. <laughs> what what when my wife wasn't there? Sure. I, ha I had to cook something, and it had to be a bit more <laughs> nutritious. <than laughs> ramen <bread>. noodles. <laughs> it was no. It would it would be if I actually had to cook. It would be scrambled eggs mm -hmm. mixed with cheddar cheese. Yep. Chopped up. Uh, 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 it should be avocado and tomato. Um, and then, um, Yum. and I probably, I think I really, I like to fry hot dog in the pan mm -hmm. and then do the, and do the, the scrambled eggs. That would be it. I mean, if I cook, that's it. I mean, I, <laughs> that's pretty good though. Sounds good. Yeah. I don't know about little, the hot dog, but little game changer on the yeah. scrambled eggs. Have you ever tried to add cottage cheese? If not, I'm telling you cottage cheese oh, and scrambled eggs on the side. Very good. I, oh yeah. It's very good. Big time. <laughs> I love cottage cheese on the side of scrambled eggs. I'm with you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, finish this phrase. The way to my heart is? Ooh. The way to my heart is? Do the work. Yeah. Do the work. And, right. and particularly, do the hard things that life is asking you to Absolutely. do. That's the way to my heart. Yeah. That's a different tack from that. I mean... Now here's the, here's the more intimate version. The way to my heart is my four grandkids. No, I knew. I figured that's what you were going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting yeah, on that. So, All right. So one who, is yeah. Who, who are they? Is how like, old are they? Uh, the one's the performance side, right? But then in terms of just 
my life and 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 love and all the things that that make me tick. I got four grandkids. Uh, Georgia lives here, and she's eight. And then Luke and Ava live in Denver. Luke is six, about to be seven. Ava's three, about to be four. And our youngest is Isla, and she lives in Richmond, and she's three. Mm. They're awesome. Do you watch shows one episode at a time, or do you binge a whole season? I'm a big non-TV guy. At all. Like, you couldn't name one TV show that you are currently watching. No, I, I don't watch TV hardly at all. However... With the advent of recent approaches to things, I've been pulled into just a couple of them. Okay, what are they? Are you willing to name Rip, it? Rip, Rip and Beth. Rip and Beth. <laughs> Rip and Beth. Oh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. <laughs> Did you hear Kevin Costner's not coming back for the last season? Yeah, totally well, I, crushed I, that's, by that. That's part of the whole. I just, I'm, I'm so not into the trauma and drama of of the celebs. I mean, I just, yeah. I'm, I don't want to get overly. I mean, I. <laughs> Too much celebrity worship. But, uh, but I did like Yellowstone's pretty darn interesting yeah. show. And I binge watched it. Uh, yeah, that's an easy one to fall into a binge watch. Yeah. Would your 12 year old self think you were cool? On some things. All right. What are those some things? Oh, karaoke would be one. Oh, that was one of my questions. What, is your, what is your go to karaoke song? Oh my! I've got I've got three. I want to be. We got three. Surfing USA. Okay. Uh, the other one is uh, Margaritaville. Yeah, he just recently passed. And uh, um, and then my third one would be uh, Zach Brown, uh, song called Toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, but my 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 younger self would would see some things like. Like I, I look at my grandkids and and like this house we have and things that we do, we just do fun things all the time. I mean, with my grandkids. And so I'm not cool in the way the kids think, but I'm like, like it, this is not going to make much sense to people per se. But if you're a grandparent, you'll get it. I do something called a touch test with my children, with my grandkids. I touch parts of their body and say, does that tickle? Is that tickle? Is that tickle? Is that tickle? Of course, I touch things like that and it doesn't. And I slowly get close to things that do tickle. <laughs> They just think it's so funny. And then eventually I'll touch this and they'll start laughing. <laughs> I do something called bear trap. I mean, we play games with our That's grandchildren funny. all the time. Yeah. And uh and in that regards, yes. Cool. In that regards. You're making memories with them that they'll never forget, oh, right? Dude. They'll they'll That's do true. that same game with their own kids someday. It's true. Oh, my my yep. my children are doing things with yeah. their children that I did with them, and yep. it's it's awesome. Yeah. 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 Speaking of games, uh, do you think you could win a game show? And if so, which game show would you be on? Huh. Well, as a non-TV guy. You grew up watching game shows, though. There's no way as a watch, kid. I mean, I know of them. Joker Wild, like that one, or Price never is Right, that. or Sale never of the saw. Century, nothing? Never, never watched any wow. of them. All right. I think I think I could win. Is it Jeopardy where you got to say? You gotta, yeah, Jeopardy. You think I, you could I question think, yeah. I think I could win Jeopardy if by chance I drew two opponents <laughs> genuinely mediocre. Because I would say my <laughs> my my overall general knowledge is slightly above average, slightly above. But if I if I drew if I drew some smarty pants, I'd get my butt. Well, I really thought what you you said if I drew two opponents who didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what is your favorite concert of all time? Oh, um, we recently went to the Eagles in Ooh, Columbus. That'd be good. Oh, did you really? Yeah. A few years ago. Yeah. yeah. And um, I love the Eagles. Yeah. Love the Eagles. That's that's my era back then. And we're sitting there, and I love country music. So we're, we're listening to the Eagles, and my wife and I are, are, are watching and they, them play. And I said, man, that lead singer sounds a lot like, gosh, what's the guy's name? Vince, Vince, Vince Gill. I said, I can't believe how much he looks and sounds like Vince Gill. And a few songs later, they come up and say, ladies and gentlemen, who's touring with us right now is Vince Gill. <laughs> so Vince Gill was singing with the Eagles. Oh, that's that's cool. great. That's, that's really that was cool. a big. That was a great concert. Yeah. Uh, what is your go-to pizza toppings? Uh, ham, pepperoni, and tomatoes. Ooh, tomatoes on tomato sauce. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Are you a believer in the pineapple concept on a pizza? Or do you... Say I'm, no I'm, I'm neutral. I mean, You're I neutral on that one. I actually, <laughs> the, the way I like it is if someone 
if that's at the table or whatever, and I'm allowed to have a slice, I like to take the pineapple off, but there's still a slight pineapple taste. I like that. Mm-hmm. I have a pizza rubric, um, and the lowest bar on the pizza rubric is, it's all right. I've really never come across a piece of pizza I wouldn't eat. Um, but pineapple, not feeling it. What's your favorite well, ice cream? By the way, I'm with you on that. I've never, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a bad pizza. There's no. better and worse, but no, no bad. No to bad. It, same thing with science fiction movies. Well, I could get, I could get on board on that one too. There, That's there's true. Better and worse, but yeah, I watch a C minus science fiction movie. Oh, that no okay. good. That's true. Uh, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, I am a massive Graders fan. Oh, which one? And 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 it's just is. I mean, this is gonna. I like vanilla. Oh, what? Like Did vanilla. you guys plant that? No, I'm not high fiving that. I okay, I love you, but vanilla there's no way I'm high fiving vanilla. That is the blame. Uh, it's the best. I love vanilla. You know, we uh, we don't Man, have great. I'm totally getting here, crushed on the vanilla. Yeah, I just I like, and I don't like cones. I like it in the dish. And yeah. and the condo we lived in in Powell was just down the street from the graders there, so next to City Barbecue. So uh, I I was known to visit that graders. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Very good. All right. All of these questions lead up to the most important question of all time, yeah. and that is, what is the greatest cereal of all time? Mm. There isn't any question in my mind. Oh, you just no, have no, We have mind, a little side bet on this, so I no, can't what, wait to see what you're going to say. I know, we were, my wife and I were fishing in Lake St. Clair last weekend up, in, up on um, north of Detroit. Very good friend of mine is a guide up there. And we've we've known him for 20 plus years. And we used to take our own boat up there, but I've sold that boat because we moved down here. And we were talking about, so you know, you fish with somebody that you know, and, and we fished for two full days and we had all we had all kinds of questions. One of the one of the things we came up, what's your favorite cereal? <laughs> Listen, you have really cool friends, Tim. I don't oh, I don't know, but they're super and, cool. And 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 mine is unquestionably life cereal. I told you. Oh, I you it. nailed that one. I'll high five on that one. We had a side bet on this, and I said I know he's gonna say life. I just have a feeling no, he's I'm, gonna I'm, say I'm, life. I'm, I'm I cannot believe it. I'm fine of grape nuts. Um, oh. That's the worst cereal of all time, scientifically proven. Hold, hold on, hold on. Context. I'm, I, and I love Frosted Flake. Right? But, but I have to I have to have a very low sugar diet now. Got it. I just have, because sugar feeds cancer. So you have to mm-hmm. really have a, a low sugar diet. And, and, and so the cereal that I eat is grape nuts. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I've developed a bit of a taste for that. Is it muesli or muesli? muesli. Or oh, no. Oh. Yeah, no, and you just and you, you know and then you, you have to be smart about that stuff. But but man, if I had to choose, it absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like as you say that, what's your favorite cereal? I can picture myself at thirty six East, East River Glen Drive, going into the breakfast alcove in that little house, and my mom pouring a bowl of life cereal. It's cool. And just I can see it in my mind's eye right now. Yeah. Cereal is one of those things. So I found two conversation starters in my life that if you get stuck with somebody and it's kind of awkward, and that is ask them who their favorite teacher is of all time, and they will totally light up. And people become passionate about that conversation. The other one is cereal. It takes you back to a place in in childhood. And I can tell you commercials. Remember back in the day, Saturday morning cartoons and the cereal commercials. (laughs) I love the Waffalos commercial. I mean, that was a really good one. Um, but life cereal, back to you, Tim, is um, that is a phenomenal cereal. It ranks very highly on the base cereal. It is a cereal that you can add to other cereals, and it doesn't in, uh, destroy the integrity of that cereal. So if I'm running low on the greatest cereal, Fruity Pebbles, and I add life cereal to that, it makes you feel like you're eating Fruity Pebbles, but it's being backfilled by the life cereal. It's a good base cereal. Well, you're going to appreciate this. When I was recently uh, up in, uh, in fact, just as we're wrapping up the condo up in Powell, I, there's a Kroger right down the street there in Powell. And I went in uh, early one morning and um, went down that aisle you know, where all that stuff is. And there was, there was, you know, pebbles and life and grape nuts all, I mean, boxes ripped open and stuff all over the floor and the cops were there. And it was like, what the heck is going on here? And I, 
took I saw one of the cops and I put him off to the side and I said, What 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 is this? And the cop said, Well, we're pretty sure it's a serial killer. <laughs> you had me. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's a great way to end. That's a very good way to end. <laughs> Thank you, Tim, Tim for playing along. Tim, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for being a part of our Worth the Journey podcast, um, a Worthington Schools podcast where we um, acknowledge and share the stories of those that um, we get to work alongside of in Worthington Schools or alumni like yourself. So um, you've made a difference for us in Worthington Schools. And as I said earlier, our mission in Worthington Schools um, is to empower a community of learners who will change the world. And um, you certainly have changed our world, Tim. So thank you well, so I, much. It, yeah, Angie, Jeff, it's my privilege to be yep. on. Thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. Yep. Thanks, and go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Hey. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. If you want to hear more, you can find us on our Worthington Schools website and on Spotify. A big thanks to Corey Carter and our communications team for making this podcast a reality. And of course, to our students at The Ohio State University in the communications department. The journey may not always be easy, but it'll definitely be worth it. Thanks for taking care of each other and have a great day out there.